On today's episode, Chad Miller's training plan success story. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. As you may be aware, I had a business goal throughout Lent and it was to complete the two out of the three parts of the Run Smarter book and at least complete the rough draft and send it off to editors. And glad to say that in the final hour, I (laughs) managed to achieve it. I now have the book sent off to a couple of editors and a small group of runners who are just looking through the rough draft and giving me some feedback and while they are reading through that and sort of gathering their thoughts, I will now start working on part three. And then once part three is done, editing's done, we can start, you know, completing this sort of process into turning into an actual book. So I'm super excited and glad that I met my Lent deadline and we'll keep you updated, keep you updated on how how the book's transitioning and um, what the developments are there. And we have Chad Chad Miller's success story today. Um, I actually jumped on an injury chat with him, and at the oh, I was probably a couple of months ago now. But I he was uh, dealing with several injuries and looking at his training plan, just asking a few questions on this injury chat. Realized that he was probably working at a really high intensity, and decided to give him a couple of tips during that injury chat of uh, what I like to do and how I like to set up my my training, how I like to balance out my interval training, how I like to balance out my intensity distribution and how I calculate my RPEs, my trimp, my weekly mileage and just showed him a couple of things. And then uh, I think it was about six weeks later, I got a message from Chad on Facebook And it says, I can bring it up now. Hi, Brody. I want to send a huge thank you for our web chat a month or so ago. I've been using the Excel log chart trimp tracking and my running has massively improved. I'm injury and niggle free for the first time since running, since I started running in 2018, made it to a race without an injury. I raced a 10K last week and came within eight seconds of a PR without planning on it and having uh, more in the tank to give. I'm only halfway through my training block with this approach, but it's really been a game changer monitoring my training load, intensity distribution. At 42 years old, I'm achieving more than I did in my peak years. And me, obviously being a podcast host, (laughs) replied and said, thanks. How about we jump on to the podcast and have a chat about your, um, your process and what you found tough, what you found easy and sort of talk it through a bit of a success story because it definitely is a success story and I think a lot of people will get a ton of insight into training plans and you know kind of calculating RPEs, trimps, weekly mileage, all that sort of stuff and here's Chad's story. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, thanks for coming to share your story. Thanks and thanks for having me. It was um, a while ago now that we had our injury chat and you since came back to me and talked about the recent successes that you've had. And I thought this is just a great story that most runners need to know, particularly those who are, that don't have a coach and are a little bit uh, uncertain of how to progress, or maybe they've been injured a couple of times. So 
I thought it'd be great to get you to come on. Um, before we dive into all that and all the intricacies, do you mind just introducing yourself and where you're from, where you're living? And we'll talk about like your life a little bit as a runner. Sure thing. So, uh, yeah, my name's Chad. I'm 42, uh, originally from Perth, West Australia, but now I live in Kelowna, which is in British Columbia, Canada. And uh, I started running in high school day, or actually the primary school days. I was a 100-meter uh, sprinter. I sort of came out of the woodworks and um, got into high-level sprinting really early um, in my early teens. Got to states, um, won medals, um, had come from a really sporting uh, family. My brother played he played international baseball with Australia as a youth, so plenty of competition in the family. And uh, so originally I was a 100-meter runner, and that lasted for two years. Um, you know, when you're that young and it starts getting serious, most of us decided to hang out with our mates instead and go to the beach, and uh, and that's what I did. It got too serious too early, and um, so that was my early running years. And then over the next 20 odd years or so, I was backpacking around Europe and uh, traveling around Canada and the States. And uh, Cologne is where I landed. And uh, 20 or 30 years later, there was a moment where I kind of thought, you know, I wonder if I still have it. I wonder if there's an um, opportunity for me to run again. And I was kind of looking for something and I, was, I did boot camps, um, online boot camps, you know, like uh, P90X and all that sort of stuff and uh, entered some Spartan races here and there and uh, just always wondered and my mind started drifting back to running and if there was a running club in uh, Kelowna where I'm from, well, I live now, and uh, there was, but they didn't compete that much as, as a sprinting club and I wanted to compete a lot. And uh, and then I ended up uh, basically falling into parkrun. My my wife, who's my wife now, she introduced me to parkrun and uh, some people that she used to run with. And then um, and then I was hooked. I became a bit of a um, parkrun fanatic on the weekends. I signed up for everything that I could I could get my hands on. I turned up to every running clinic and speed work session I could get my hands on or I'd ask about with friends through uh, Parkrun or anyone else I could find and uh, ended up running four, five, six days a week, signing up for everything and um, now these days um, I've run a stack of 5Ks obviously, I've done 8Ks, 10Ks and run um, three half marathons and pro yeah, at the moment. Good work. I can already get the sense of like competition, wanting to perform, wanting to get faster. I, I kind of get that sense. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> I think prior to our, you booking in for an injury chat and coming on. Well, first of all, why did you feel the need to come on for an injury chat? What was going on at that stage? I always had like something popping up and, um, I wasn't really sure why, like I always had something popping up and it felt like it was just me, like it was just just me that was going through the motions of like always having a niggle, always getting caught up in it, you know, I'd sort of be watching um, <clears throat> my peers and running mates doing something bigger, running longer events <clears throat> and sort of being stuck at a level where I couldn't get past, whether it was a... a distance or a um, mileage or um, so I was kind of stuck in a rut I was kind of stuck <clears throat> where I was okay in the in the short distance and the in the short mileage and by short mileage for me it was 25 k's a week but if uh, I signed up for a large event and I wanted to really dive into it even further you know, at 30, 35 Ks, I would start breaking down consistently. And it just became a point where, you know, that frustration sort of kicks in or it was more like I felt like I was the only one going through it. And 
were there any particular injuries that kept resurfacing? Was there one that was predominantly like, you know, you're struggling to manage? Uh, I had a lot of runner's knee for sure. I'd had a lot of runner's knee. I kind of had everything. I'd runner's knee. Um, I had hamstring issues. I had Achilles issues. Uh, I had shin splints. I had tendinopathy in my in my foot at one stage. And looking back on it, um, it was all overuse. It was all too much, too quick, too soon. Right. So. <laughs> is is um, I guess time frame wise from the the moment you you know dived into parkrun, loved it to kind of having this boom bust facing all these injuries. How time wise? How long are we talking? Um, like how long the injuries were lasting and how long was out? Or I guess like uh, probably from the finding the love of parkrun to I guess oh. up until the injury chat. Was that was that over a period of years? Yeah, so I'm guessing like from that point to the time that we talked was probably about I think three or four years. But initially in the first year it was I didn't have many injuries, but after the first year it started popping up. Hmm. And was it around about that time that you started trying to push yourself further beyond the that park run and beyond yeah, that twenty five K a week? Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I was fairly like, yeah, it was. So it's after the first year that I kind of got a sense that I was really close to, for me, my big goal was breaking 20 minutes and I was fairly close to it, but I couldn't quite get over the hump. So I kind of dived in even further and ended up, um, running with, uh, big faster groups, um, university groups, sub-elite groups. I sort of went, like, I went over and above what I should have been doing, basically. Mm. Yeah, I thought it'd be nice to ask the question about, you know, what you know now, looking back on those years, what particular training habits or training philosophies do you think might have led to all that? You did mention diving into things that are just too much too soon which is very very common yeah. um any other particular yeah. training habits or philosophies well i think i was like i was so green to it all you know like i was so keen just to get back into it and i think like like that's a great thing to have like just the enthusiasm and, and the you know that passion for it to to jump all into it because it can be quite time consuming and you know you know a lot of energy put that gets put into it. And I think there's a great merit to having that passion that goes into it. But uh, my personality can be quite all or nothing. It can be, uh, you know, um, I I put value on uh, obviously maybe some competitiveness and I, I really liked the intensity. And coming from the background that I did, like in, in sprinting and whatnot, there's not that philosophy of easy running. It's a lot of... Uh, power-based and speed-based running. And I sort of brought all that with me with maybe um, wanting to make up for lost time or thinking if I still had it. And, um, you know, I I kind of really wanted to show that I still had it. And I just really wanted to go quick. And I didn't really understand why I should go slow. So... I just had this very green, very enth- overly enthusiastic um, uh, you, like competitiveness, I think. I, I didn't really see the point in going slow. Um, about the second year in, um, going to a lot of groups and training with a lot of people, um, we had coaches saying, you know, we should be going slow here and there. And I thought, I, I don't need to go slow to go fast because I'm already quick. Like, why, <laughs> why, why, did I, why do we need to? Cause I, I need to slow down. And so it was that, that mindset that I had where I wanted more of the, the top end and not like I wanted more of the competitiveness. I wanted more of the 
to work on the top ends than actually um, maybe even sit back and listen. But I was just so eager. I was just so eager and I just wanted... I think it's a lot of it too was, you know, I'd get caught up in um, what friends were doing and, you know, I'd see their Strava and I'd be like, oh, that looks fast. I'm going to go out and maybe do a run and try and be at that run or, um, you know, these guys are going longer than I am. So I'm going to go for this massive run when I'm probably not ready for it, but I need to keep up with them and that sort of thing. So I think it's getting like, for me, I got drawn into maybe like the social media, like the Strava and, um, and that sort of thing coming from my early days where, um, you know, speed is the essence. You used to sing those quick times. So having to slow down a little bit, like you're just drawn into seeing those good numbers on your watch. So I, I valued going quick. And when people were saying go slow, my thought was I don't need to go slow to go fast because I'm already quick. Mm. I was just trying to build on that. So it was maybe just this really green sort of uh, enthusiasm and just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Competitiveness. Yeah. I think even just coming from your background of sprinting, and you just yep. like carry over those same attitudes, carry over those same training philosophies, mm. because like you say, it's a totally different sport. Yes, you're running, but in mm. terms of producing though, like better outcomes, a lot of that yeah. training is power-based, performance-based, sprint, high intensity, and yeah. yeah, they don't necessarily do the slow, easy work. And mm. if you've got that already ingrained in your personality and ingrained in your training philosophy, everything that is low intensity seems counterproductive, seems like a waste of time, seems like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You summed it up perfectly. Like I just didn't, it just wasn't part of my thinking. Like I just, even now I kind of have to really think, um, I really have to think along those lines and now I'm really starting to get it. Like, th like this last six to eight weeks, I'm really starting to understand it and like feel the difference. Mm. And I love, you know, doing what's meant to be done. Those personality traits you described as well, like competitiveness, passion, enthusiasm, just being really um, keen just to perform. It's, it can have its benefits. It can also have its setbacks. I've seen, yeah. you know, just treating so many runners, I've seen that, that enthusiasm. It's what runners need. They need to be self-motivated if they are, training for a half marathon or training for a marathon a lot of time it's you know accountability on yourself and you have to have that self-drive to perform have to have that self-drive to get up out of bed to do that long run even though the weather's cold and it's wet outside and so it does have its benefits but sometimes might lead you to you know overstretch yourself a little bit and then when if there's little injuries here and there that pop up, might those same personality traits might lead to, you know, running a bit too much with an injury or just ignoring the injury and just running through it and trying to like the fear of losing fitness as well is closely associated with those particular personality traits. People just scared of building up all this fitness. And then when they're injured, fear of losing that fitness. So they just continue running and just makes things worse in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Like I was kind of like, just burning the candle at both ends for a while, you know, like, and, uh, as you said, once I got injured, I sort of, it was boom, bust, boom, bust. And then I'd just end up having enough and then just trying to run through it. And then it just, something else would pop up and it became this cycle that, uh, somehow I'd come out the other end of, but it was always, uh, coming back to the point of, uh, thinking, you know, why me, why me? 
Yeah. I think a lot of people can also share your experience with talking about social media and looking on Strava and seeing other people's Mm. uh, performances because not only are you looking through your feed and seeing what other people are doing, but then while you're running, you've also got in the back of your mind, I have to post this. Other people are going to be looking at this. uh, Therefore, I need to put in my best effort. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, you know, that, that creeps up. It keeps creeping up on the back of your mind a little bit. Like you want to share what you're doing and you want to share, you know, um, your progress and that sort of thing. And you want to share like your, your, your good achievements and that's all good and well. But when it, for me, like it, it crept up and crept up and crept up and I'd have to like try and reel myself in a little bit, like not turning a session into uh, a full-blown sprint for 8Ks or a full-blown sprint for, for 10Ks and, um, it, you know, and posting that up. So it, it can be your biggest motivator, like to get out the door when the weather's, you know, a little crappy or around here it's snowy and icy. It's, it's great seeing someone on Strava or social media that's out in sunny weather good weather and it makes you get out the door where I am where it's minus 20 in the winter with your ice bikes to put in a little a little run just to keep momentum going but um yeah it can have the that opposite side as well like I've I've fell foul of that many times sometimes I've had great runs and sometimes I've had like you know little successes and pbs with it and come off just great um but the cycle remains that um, I was stuck in a cycle where like, I just couldn't get away from uh, the niggles and the, the little things popping up here and there. Yeah, especially looking at something a bit more long-term, like you might have those little successes from week to week, but mm-hmm. if you look month to month, year to year, like how much progress are you really making, uh, people fail to sort of have that broad scope of their training and particularly if they're not training for a race and they're just like idly going by but wanting to perform, you know, they might think they're doing okay, but if they look where they were 12 months ago to where they are now and where they want to be in 12 months, is that trajectory really on the path that they want to be? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, you know, you know, times change and people get a bit older and things happen in life and uh, you've got to, like now my philosophy is you've got to plan for the long term a little bit more. So, yeah. So we jumped on this injury chat. I think I, um, like I learned more about you, your, your training and all the niggles that you've been having and kind of honed in on your particular training philosophies and my advice about training. And I think I showed my own spreadsheet about the, mm-hmm. um, the training impulses and the mileage and the sessions and the, um, trying to find the right balance and you sort of took that away, took a few lessons of that away. Can you maybe talk through like your action plan? What did you start implementing uh, once we finished that injury chat that that sort of brought on that success? Um, yeah, you're right. I took a couple of screenshots actually of um, of Perfect. your Excel sheet and took it took it away, and that I uh, decided how I could interpret that into what I was already doing, and so. The action plan that I actually put in place was actually pre-planning my training sessions, because what I was doing, um, what I was doing before was I was going out the door and sort of making it up as I went. I knew what I kind of wanted to do, like I knew I need, was going to do a speed session once a week and a long run once a week, but the rest of it was kind of up for grabs. So I was kind of making it up as I went. So now what I've done is pre-plan it and I've structured it, this Excel sheet to have um, specific rules to give me some structure and give me a little bit of, um, put a leash on it a little bit in in the right places. So um, I make sure now that I'm doing uh, 80% of my... um, 
sessions or runs easy and 20% hard. Um, so I, I, after I took the screenshot of your Excel sheet, I did a little bit of research and I've been listening to the podcast a little bit and taking some notes and um, the 80-20% rule had been at the forefront for most of it and that was pretty obvious that I wasn't doing it because I was running everything as quick, quick as I could. So I switched it up and then I uh, basically did 80% or most, the vast majority of my runs slow and easy uh, and 20% I could do hard. So that was the start and over week to week of my training plan, which I'd set up for uh, a race that was 10 weeks out, I made sure that there was no massive spikes in mileage because before what I was doing was I was running 25Ks, 30Ks a week. I'd sign up for a race, get super hyped about it and then see something on Strava, someone on something on Instagram and get really hyped up and start running 45, 50Ks a week, like instantly. So that's an obvious spike. So I cut all that out and uh, just did a really easy week-to-week build. So week-to-week, you know, uh, um, people talk a lot about, you know, uh, 10% build. So I actually just did two or one or two, uh, one or two kilometer extra a week build and just kept it super light. So over time, I'd build up to a point where I'd maybe be running 35Ks a week. And that's kind of on my top end. And I sort of know that's on my top end for uh, for me. So um, I sort of pre-planned what the end of a 10-week cycle would look like in terms of volume. And then um, I sort of knew about Trimp and I sort of looked Trimp up, um, training intensity. So I looked that up and made sure I wasn't having any spikes in uh, my training intensity. So basically not making sure that I wasn't running hard runs or easy runs too hard. I wasn't taking easy hard runs too easy. And um, I actually started a color coding scheme on my Excel sheet that reflected how well I was recovering. Because as we were talking about it, you had mentioned, hey, you know, do you have a plan to look back on if something happens? If something happens, can you look back at it and figure out why? Is there something obvious? Is there something obvious that happens within training load or volume that's obvious? Have you ever tracked it? And I had said no. So by um, plugging in basically um, the volume and the trim and overlaying it with a color code with how I was recovering. I was able to keep most of it in check and uh, in, and that was my basic start. And, you know, I looked at it as being a student at it and not really sure if it was going to work or not. But, um, and, it, and giving myself the uh, freedom to adjust it a little bit as I went. Uh, in terms of yeah, life events or if I had felt good or worse throughout the experience. And basically, in a nutshell, I set up a plan that was pre-planned that I could follow something with some structure and something that just flipped what I was doing on its head to give me an easier sort of training load and uh, more even intensity throughout a, a race build. And that's basically what I did. Okay, so on the spreadsheet, you've got kind of like a Monday to Sunday. These are the days I'm going to run. This is the distance I'm going to run. These, this is the intensity I'm going to run at and have that as just a loose template. But like you said, yeah. pre-planning ahead, which I really like because yeah. if you're pre-planning things and you've got yeah. it down on paper and you have these things in front of you, yeah. it, it can kind of like, it makes sense once you look at it. You can write things down that make sense rather than yeah. having to do a session, be injured and say to yourself, like looking back in retrospect, okay, that was too much. So if you write things down on paper, whether it be distance or intensity, 
and yeah. you're making sure there's no abrupt changes there and you relatively yeah. stick to it with a little bit of flexibility, then you yeah. know that you're, you know, you're giving yourself enough wiggle room and enough safe ground for success. Um, but then, like you say, if you write it down and you pre-plan it, if there is an injury in the future, you can look back at what you have done and see if there was an abrupt change and learn more about yourself and learn more about that training error so that you can make sensible adjustments moving forward. So you're learning from that mistake. Yeah, exactly. And it gives, uh, like, it gives me accountability. And that's like what I kind of lacked at the start. Like I wasn't having to answer to anyone and I sort of just went out and did what I did. And um, and now I sort of put this up, I write it up, I look at it. I actually um, bring in my wife and have she has a look at it. And she used to be a runner before I, I um, before I met her. And um, she's kind of my yin to my yang. So she kind of has. It's good having a second set of eyes on it, um, knowing who I am, knowing my personality. So it's. Um, good for accountability and I can sort of see because I did one race right at, uh, before my week one my goal race is at week 10 and I actually had a race in uh, week five which I um, put down as like a, um, a dry run a, you know a draft as such a B race just to see how my progress is going and I could see that after my initial race, that with a color coding, it took me four or five days to come out of um, that race fatigue, that nice um, sort of fatigue state into mm. something a little bit fresher. So when I got to that B race, I knew that afterwards I'd need to give myself four or five days and I could adjust. So I would just, I could take out the speed session early on in the week and maybe make it a bit of a easier uh, run, maybe a bit more of a, a, a cruise session. Um, I could really ease up in the first half of the week and then end on something moderate to build into the following week, which I could build on the back of the first four or five weeks. So it gives me a good template, a good, actually, like if the clues you look into it, the patterns emerge and it gives you like a good um, action plan. Yeah. Can I ask when you assigned yourself these intensities? Um, so you said, all right, Monday, I'm going to do a 5k run. It's going to be an easy intensity. You set your RPE. Um, first of all, how was it running slow after having that philosophy of always wanting to run hard? How did you handle mentally the, the slow running? And second, um, did you find any difficulty with trying to rate your perceived effort? Were you thinking of like a, is this a three? Is this a four? Is this a five? Did you struggle with trying to objectively measure with, with effort levels? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of gray zones in there, but I think like, um, like I, I'm looking at it now, actually, and um, and I I drew most of this off um, some of the stuff of your podcast, actually. So I've got like a zero being rest and sitting and sleeping, one being easy walking, two being anything easier, oh, sorry, anything faster than walking, three being easy running, and easy running I just slotted in um, five minutes thirty to six minutes a kilometer just as something like just to put something down for me um and four being like something more closer to five um so anything around two or three like basically anything that's faster than kind of walking and something that's not getting into you know i just wanted it to be easy and just something easy past walking and into running because I, I know what I'm like because I'll end up going quicker and quicker. So there's a bit of a gray zone in terms of, um, you know, the, the numbers and stuff, but I found it easy. I actually found it easy to adapt to. I actually found it a little bit uh, like a load off my shoulder, to be honest. I started to enjoy not going out there and sort of, you know, flogging myself, I think. 
is yeah. the best word I had. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of enjoyable, you know. I could go out there, and a lot of it was due to being to the time of year. Um, it's February. It was February, March. There's still plenty of snow and ice on the roads out here sometimes, so I had no choice but to go that slow. So I actually started to enjoy it. I actually grew to like it. Um, and I'd take out my earphones and listen to some music or podcasts, and I actually grew to like it. So um, I didn't I didn't think I'd like it that much, but um, over the weeks after, I could see why I started to like it. Mm. I've heard that so many times, like people with their competitive nature, they just want to run fast and yeah. the, the slow running seems counterproductive, but it, yeah. in a sense, the first of all, one, when you start running slower, you start to enjoy it because no one wants to be like, no one wants to grind too much. No one wants to be in a yeah. really uncomfortable position for a long period of time. If you run for 60 minutes and you feel dandy the whole entire time there, there, there's some sort of enjoyment that gets there but then on the yeah. back end of that when you do enough of it and you start to see the benefits at your top end then it actually has like a double effect of enjoyment because you know that this has a purpose this running slow will eventually get me to running faster and you know achieving those pbs and those sorts of things and so it kind of has a double whammy but you need to actually implement it and be patient with it to see those effects yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, just just going through the motions, like I needed some time. Like I, I'd really started to enjoy it and I needed the time to enjoy it for sure. Like it was really counterproductive to, to my personality. But I think once I started to understand why it made sense, you know, like it's there's no other sport out there that tells you to go slower to get quicker. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so once you start thinking, okay, well, I understand it. Like, I'm starting to understand. I can feel it now. That's, um, you start to embrace it a little bit. You know, you it's easy. It's hard to be told something. But when you experience it, start to experience it firsthand, you, you really understand it. You start getting it. And then you enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like it's for me. That's where I needed to be at was to sort of um, experience it firsthand, and rather than just listen to it or be told it. Like so, I think just the circumstances aligned for me to run slow for a while, and I started to enjoy it. And just circumstances being where they were, like time of year, and you know, I. Um, I'm a 42-year-old guy with a, a young son and maybe some other runners can relate to it. Um, you know, the late nights, putting your son to bed and uh, your kids to bed and it's late at night and you don't have much time for yourself. So the only time you have is maybe 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night and it's dark and you don't feel like running super hard at that time of night. So it becomes nice long runs. So the situation sort of just seemed to... Um, come on by itself but I think uh, if anyone's listening out there that's like me I think you kind of just have to I think you have to instead of listening like I think you should just do it and get out there and experience even a couple of weeks of it by yourself and you'll start to feel what it what it's what it's worth and what it starts doing like running slow and there was weeks where i was building mileage with it and i'd feel super fresh like super duper fresh like i'd have my speed workouts in the middle of it and uh i'd start building up in back into my 30s like 30 kilometers a week like on my top end what i consider as my top end and uh, i'd feel fresh like really really fresh like i could have done way more but uh, that's when it started to click. Yeah. I'll talk about that trimp again um, because I have had podcasts on it in the past, yeah. but just for those who aren't familiar. So your training impulse is just your effort levels, your intensity levels, usually out of 10 multiplied by the amount of minutes of that session. So if you were to run at an RPE of three out of 10, which is like super easy, you do that mm -hmm. for 30 minutes, that's three multiplied by 30 minutes and you get a trimp 
kind of score of 90. And yeah. if so, um, similar to what I was showing you with my spreadsheet, you sort of calculate mm-hmm. all those running sessions throughout the week. And then you come up with your weekly total of your training impulse, that trimp score. Were you following a particular rule of how much to build upon that? I know you said for distance, it was one to two kilometers per week, but was there yeah. a specific rule around the trimp score? Um, I have to say there wasn't. I was just keeping my eye on it and just seeing what was happening with it, to be totally honest. And it wasn't spiking. It was kind of staying fairly consistent. So um, I was hoping I could find more of a takeaway with trim, but there wasn't. But the big takeaway I I, um, was taking from the whole experience, like the whole spreadsheet and the whole system was... um, you know, my total trimp was building with uh, with distance, but not by terribly much. Uh, and my long runs were getting longer, and my quick ones were getting quicker, but I was staying, I felt great. I was co- recovering really, really well. So, on terms of trimp, it's probably an area I'm still a student of, but it's helped me keep track of if a particular individual session was way out of line. Um, but I haven't come across anything that sticks out um, significantly with uh, in terms of trimp. Yeah, well, if it's, if it's, it's worth monitoring anyway if you don't have any rules assigned to it because, like you say, it's, yeah. it's good to know that you're consistent with your trimp and yeah. it might actually just be there in the background just to help you hold the reins back just so that you don't push yourself and have an abrupt change in intensity. And the fact that it hasn't had a huge jump is kind of serving its purpose anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think for a lot of sessions too, what kind of kept me like in check was, uh, my RPE. Like I'd go out on a run and I'd say I would have two goals or maybe three goals. I would say I'm going out for a, a six by one K session and it's going to be a speed session and uh, the speed for this is going to be for each rep is going to be four minutes, 10 a kilometer, but I want my trim to be seven, about a seven out of 10. So if I've got it, which for me is, uh, I don't want it to get to eight or nine. If I start really struggling with it and I feel like it's greater than a seven, I'm going to reel it back in. And for me, having the RPE in my mind on a training session really helped me on long runs where I'd say I'm only going to do a three at at all costs. If I have to walk up a hill, I'll walk up a hill. So I'm not, or if I have to walk through some hills, I'll do that to keep it like super, super chill. Um, if I'm doing a speed session, I want it to be a seven. To me, a 10 is like an all out, an all out, um, PR effort. A nine would be a a rate, a regular race effort. And an eight would be a, like a track interval session. And a seven would be a, um, you know, like a, like a speed session, but without the hundred percent intensity. So for me, just having those cues in my mind with RPE helped serve the purpose of eventually keeping the trimp in, intact yeah. and consistent. So mm. that's that's what I kind of had in my mind in a lot in a lot of sessions was where am I in terms of RPE? Like yeah. I've scheduled this week to be. Um, structure like this this is today's session i'm looking at my uh, excel sheet and it says a three out of ten and that's what i'm going to stick to so that's uh that was my biggest uh plug-in going in going in to run you so you've had this epiphany you started training with a little bit more balance you said that a 20 intensity balance you've had a massive overhaul um 
of your overall training, you've started implementing this spreadsheet. How long into doing this did you start to notice a benefit? You said that you, you start to feel really fresh, really well recovered. Um, but when did it start clicking? When did it all start falling into place? Uh, mine was on my on my fourth week. On my fourth week. So we went out for a long, easy session um, with the run club here. And we had a, a 16 kilometer run booked on a Saturday morning and we went out and just went for a long run and I, again I thought we're going to keep this at a three and I've done you know 16 it's my typical build for long long sessions like six, 16 18 kilometers for that's when I'm doing a like half marathon training but this time it's I'm doing a 10 but I decided to try and get some really good aerobic builds so went for this long run on the fourth week did 16ks felt really good the whole way through um got to 16ks stopped uh was talking just like this i felt incredibly fresh i felt like i could have run another five and done 21 I had friends who were doing 21, 25, 30 because they were training for something else larger. And I thought, no, I'm going to stick it at what it's meant to be, 16, 16s today. But I did that 16, walked away from it. And usually I get home and, you know, it catches up with me and I have a big crash afterwards and I feel a little bit iffy and the next couple of days, you know, I can really feel it. But... I really felt like I'd done nothing like in the afternoon. By the afternoon, I felt like I'd done nothing. <laughs> and even the next day, I felt like I'd done nothing. Like I got to the end of the weeks and I felt like I hadn't even started training. So that's when it started to click, you know, like, I'm hey, I'm doing long sessions like that I used to do that I've been injured for. But now I don't feel like I've done anything. Like I want to go out, back out again. And that's when I really started to notice it. Nice. And so that would kind of, I guess, be the, the low intensity base side of things, mm -hmm. really seeing the benefit, recovering yeah. really well, feeling super fresh. Um, yeah. To date, what have you done in terms of top end? Have you noticed any benefits in your performance? Yeah. So when I do the top ends, um, I'm training for a 10. So I'm focusing on a bit more, um, typically for fives, I do um, five by one K repeats. Um, on the top ends, and now I've started doing six by ones, or I started doing four by one miles, or four by two kilometers, like slowly building up the, um, the, the endurance side of speed. And I'm finding that I'm starting to run quicker with less effort. Like I'm going out saying I'm going to do this pace. And keeping in mind, I want a seven in my mind, but I'm looking down at my watch thinking this is too quick and I feel like this is a five. So I feel like it's the, the speed's catching up and the trim's going down and I have to back off again. So that, like I'm getting a lot of speed endurance where I'm not really feeling the strain at where I used to feel the strain. And... Um, at the end of the sessions, I feel like I've got an extra gear that I can start moving through, which I wouldn't have before. So that's what I feel like I'm finding on the top end. Good work. And when you reached out to me, you were mentioning the you got super close to your 10K PB without really trying with with a bit of um, energy in the tank. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So... You know, there's a certain amount of suffering with a 10K, so I won't lie, I wasn't exactly not trying, but I uh, I definitely had more in the tank, and it did surprise me, thinking that I was so close. So I was pretty close. Yeah, it's all coming together. That's awesome. And I guess there's tons and tons of takeaways within this particular interview and your story, but um, is there anything else as we sum it up is there any other final takeaways or advice that you have for runners that are that maybe were or are in the position that you were in you know a couple of months ago uh it's okay to it's okay to run slower there's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with it 
um, for me, like, you know, I kind of just went out burning the candle at both ends. And uh, I think it's awesome to be like super, super passionate and super enthusiastic and stuff about it. And there's nothing wrong with going out and, you know, like wanting to run fast and, and uh, if, you know, and having that competitive spirit and whatnot. But, uh, you know, if you find yourself stuck in this like boom bust cycle, or you find yourself always getting stuck with injuries, you know, like, you you need to i think it's better to look at in the long term i was thinking in the short term for so long so i think it's better just to come in with a bit of structure like make up a plan and stick to a plan and sort of like even on like excel sheet and then just sort of stick to it and just be just be a, a student to the game a bit and um just see how it goes in the long term because also stuck in the short term, I think it's better. Like you can't get faster if you're always injured. You know what I mean? Like I always thought. Like my biggest takeaway now is um, consistency will will build will build speed. Consistency will build you know better running. And you can only be consistent if you're not injured. Yeah. And it, you know, and uh, the best way not to be injured is just to have a little bit more structure. Like. And it's okay to embrace, you know, not wanting to, you know, to, it's okay to find yourself trying to hold yourself back and all that. But I think um, everyone's got their own journey. And I think it's, it's a good place to start, you know, even just drawing up a plan that has a bit of balance. Yeah. And like you said, it's, uh, it's, not just about listening it's about implementing those lessons and implementing what you what you are being told rather than just like hearing it and then just going back to your own your old philosophies because habits are hard to change and i do agree with the having success a couple of weeks a couple of months in a row just has that compounding effect if you're if you're constantly injured you're going to really struggle to see success you really do need to find that balance and have that long-term compound the benefits compound over time and so yeah i really want to thank you for coming on i know the a lot of these lessons i've had i've explained in past podcasts and you know it's always easy to do an episode on just the theory of it maybe point to a couple of articles and say this is you know what the coaches say this is what the articles show this intensity distribution this like finding the right balance and this is your trim score etc etc but it's just really nice to see a theory into practice and having a, a case study that has, you know, you've seen both sides of those things. You've implemented all of it and you're seeing the success on the both ends you're doing and experiencing exactly what the theory suggests. So um, these success stories are really important. So I want to thank you for coming on and sharing it because it's going to do, it's going to have a lot of takeaways for a lot of runners. So thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.